Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome to the very first episode of the new year 2022. Welcome everybody to the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Hopefully you had a fantastic holiday. Hopefully you are ready to kind of get back into the swing of things. I don't know about you. I always really liked January because it was like, okay, holidays are done. We get to kind of put that in the past. Now we get to focus on the new year. We kind of get to move forward. So I always enjoy that. Hopefully you do the same. And to start the new year, to kick off the podcast, I have one of the hardest working individuals I ever have had on the show. On the show, I talked to wildlife rehabilitator, Erica Miller. Erica Miller actually runs the Erica Miller Wildlife Wildlife Rehab based out of Dayton, Ohio. In 2021, she saw nearly 2,000 animals. Can you believe that? She saw nearly 2,000 animals. She rescues animals from raccoons to opossums to skunks to baby birds to fawns. She rescues it all. She even rescued a beaver one time, which you'll hear that story in the podcast. You know, it was just interesting talking with Erica. I'll tell you what, I sure wish we had more people like her on this planet. Wildlife rehabilitators are some of the hardest working people in the animal industry and they don't ever have days off. Their life is completely consumed by the animals that come in. And without people like Erica, a lot of these animals would have nowhere to go. So if you are interested in what it would be like to run a wildlife rehab or possibly work at one, this is a fantastic episode. Erica talks about what it's like, you know, rescuing animals. And she, you know, she talks about the most time consuming animals to rescue, the most destructive animals to rescue, <laughs> raccoons. Did I say that? She talks about some of the most dangerous animals that she has rescued. And we also kind of go into what you do if you find, let's say, a baby bird that falls out of a nest. What happens if you have raccoons living in your attic? She answers all of those questions and more. Once again, this is a great episode with a lot of insight. Now, before we get to the episode, I encourage you as always to rate and review the show wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps out. I actually was just notified that Spotify is now allowing people to rate and review podcasts. So if you listen on Spotify, please go ahead and give the animals to the max a rating. A five star would be preferred and let us know which episode you like the best. I also encourage you to send me your podcast guest suggestions. I honestly have been getting suggestions daily. That's actually how I found Erica. Her sister wrote in and said, hey, my sister would be a great candidate for the show. And I looked into what she did and said, absolutely. And I actually would prefer to hear from the listeners who listen to the show on who you want to have interviewed. I get a million requests, and I'm not just saying that to brag, but I get so many requests from PR agencies and people who want me to put products on the Animals to the Max podcast or want me to highlight these I don't know, these animal stories that I feel like aren't really authentic and want me to have guests on that just aren't really what I feel like the show is about. So I appreciate those actual referrals from the listeners like you. So keep on sending those and you can send those referrals in to info at CorbinMaxi.com. I also encourage you to join us for the after show. It is available for Patreons only. All you have to do to listen to the after show is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max for just $10 a month. You get access to hours of bonus interviews that are only available for Patreon members and the interview 
the after show with Erica. I asked her when the last time she had a vacation was, and we also talk about hunting. Is she pro hunting? anti-hunting, you might actually be surprised with her answer. Okay, with that said, let's get to it. Let's talk about wildlife rehab. Erica, welcome to the show. Good morning and thank you. I'm so flattered to be here. Good morning. I'm so excited. And by the way, did you get done up for the podcast? Because it looks like your hair's done. You look nice. <laughs> I, I, well, I smell a little bit like a donkey, but um, I figured you couldn't smell me through the, uh, the microphone. So I, I did. I put some some makeup on my face because I didn't want to look too bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you. I feel bad. I've been like a baseball cap and my team chomper shirt, but uh, it's okay. We, we actually just released the audio so we could record in sweat. So no one would have any idea. That's fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I know you are super busy uh, running a wildlife rehab and it's, it's awesome. Your sister actually reached out to me and recommended you as a podcast guest. And she gave me your bio and I looked at your website and was like, oh my goodness, we have to get Erica on the show. She hears the, so, and so, <laughs> yeah, she definitely is like, this is, this is something that would fit in well. Like I'm going like, to reach out. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'll do anything. <laughs> yeah. So when did you, so, I mean, she said in 2021, you rescued 1,985 animals. Yep, I'm actually up to 1,987 as of today. So, um, yeah, they, they just keep coming. I got my first one on January 1st of this year, and I'm sure I'll get one on December 31st. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So tell me. So almost 2,000 animals you have rescued in just a year or since since the inception? This year. This year. Oh, my God. This Ooh, okay, so I just feel like anxiety. Like I could just imagine. Like, how are you so calm, cool, and collected? Like this isn't. That's insane. It really is, and people don't. They, you know, they ask, "How do you do?" Well, it's simple. Don't do anything else. Um, you know, get up at four thirty in the morning, go to bed at midnight, and um, you know, just start feeding, start cleaning, and get it done. Take all the phone calls. Oh my gosh! So, which uh, I guess, what type of animals are you rescuing? So I am a federally licensed uh, wildlife rehabilitator to do migratory birds and waterfowl. And I also am a category two um, rehabilitator with the state of Ohio, uh, with also with the reptile amphibian permit and the fawn permit. So I can basically take anything that's here in the wild. Anything that's here in Ohio. Okay. Okay. Correct. Okay. And yeah, because you're based in Dayton, Ohio, correct? Yes. Okay. That is so, I mean, so you're talking about like raccoons. Many, 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 <laughs> many, many. Raccoons. At one point in time, I had 119 in cages at one time this summer. So, um, I, which is, it's, uh, that's a nightmare of mine, but, um, you know, what are you going to do? A <laughs> hundred and nineteen. So I have a good friend. Her name is Mady and she runs the animals distress association here in Boise, Idaho, where I'm based. And she had like 36 raccoons this year. And I thought that was a lot. You said you had a hundred and nineteen. You betcha. Oh my gosh. Okay. A hundred and nineteen raccoons. You also rescue opossums. Oh, many, many, many opossums. And I actually really like them. They're one of my favorites because they're one of my easiest. They don't they don't need bottle fed because they really don't have a suck reflex. So how I rehab them when they're babies is I, I make what I call possum stew and I actually uh, roll them around <laughs> I roll them around in the formula and then they lick it off each other and they clean each other and that's kind of how they, they are fed. So they're one of my favorites because they, they don't take a whole bunch of my time up. 
Okay, I was going to say, my wife's family is from West Virginia, and they make a whole different type of opossum stew. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about her great-grandfather. They don't do that anymore. That is, wow, opossums. You know, I think they are so cool, and they are so misunderstood. Would you not agree? Oh, absolutely. I think they're, I mean, people are just like, oh, they have rabies. I like, know they, they can't have rabies. Well, we don't have rabies in this part of Ohio as it is, but, uh, you know, possums, their blood temperature's too cold to even harbor that virus in their body. Uh, they eat ticks. They're actually a very clean animal, very good for the environment animal. So I, I really like them. Yeah, they're one of my favorite animals to take on television because the hosts are always like so grossed out and they're like, oh my God, it's a rat. I'm like, no, it's the only North American marsupial. And then when I tell them about the facts, I, I'm a little rusty on my opossum facts, but I feel like, can't they eat... Is it three to 6,000 ticks in a season? Just one? I, there's some crazy odd stat about how many ticks they can eat. Yeah, I mean, you'll hear three, you'll hear ten, but yeah, it's definitely in the thousands of ticks. I, I think they're great. Yeah, and also, uh, they also eat venomous snakes. Like, I don't know, I just think the, the, the list, I mean, and I don't, I mean, venomous snakes have a place in our world, but I mean, people probably like them in the backyard. Opossums eat the venomous snakes. Right, and they can't, if they get bit by a snake because of their uh, blood temperature, like it doesn't affect them. So I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah, I think it's so cool. And I think it's just, I, I think the way, like, because their defense mechanism, right, when they're able to, like, when they can foam from the mouth, they emit these horrible secretions that stink. I think that's what gives people the, the EBGBs. And the big smile. I call it a smile. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are they not scary though? I have a friend who was he was he was a plumber in a past life and he said he opossums were terrifying. He had to go down a crawl space and like he came face to face with one and he said those teeth like they were pretty scary. They well the thing is is I mean wild animals they're really unless you provoke them they're going to leave you alone. So it's like and especially opossums like I don't get attacked by opossums like I would like an adult raccoon when I, when they come into rehab. Like they're opossums are pretty chill. Really? Okay. So, okay. So opossums sound like they're pretty easy to care for. You also uh, rescue skunks. I sure do. I love my skunks. Well, and I should say you'll get good and just like people, there's good ones and there's bad ones. <laughs> was Toots. He was, he was one of my favorite characters this summer and uh, yeah, he was an absolute joy. Who was he? Sorry. I was laughing when you, you, you cut out. Who did you rescue? Um, his name was Toots. He was my favorite skunk this year, and he was just the greatest you know, character, had the greatest attitude. He was, he was a, a joy to have around. And did you rescue Toots? And I mean, I'm sorry, did, did you rescue him and put him back into the wild? Oh, absolutely. Um, because in, when I first got into rehab, you know, you, you read these laws and how strict they are, and you're like, oh, that just sounds awful harsh. And the longer I'm doing this, the more I understand why the laws are in place um, because of these wild animals. But, you know, when I first started out, I'm like, well, how will they know, you know, how will they know to do this? They can't do this. We literally, um, I remember my first raccoon, my kids and I were holding a blanket under the tree because we thought for sure it was going to fall out of the tree. You know, like how, how is he going to know how to climb? He's so high up there. Mm. And it's amazing. You know, the longer I do this, how, um, you know, animals are instinctual, their instincts kick in and, uh, they, they do thrive. They thrive very well in, in the wild. And so, yes, he was released. So in the state of Ohio, we're only allowed to keep animals a certain amount of days before we have to either make a decision, um, to release them or euthanize them or, um, you know, their final disposition. 
Okay, and how many days is that for, for Toots the Skunk? And were you looking at the calendar like, oh my god, I'm so sad I have to release him at this date? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I do believe skunks are 180 days, I want to say. Um, but yeah, I was kind of sad, but I, I knew it had to happen. And um, so I, I vaccinate my uh, critters that can get distemper because distemper is a kind of an issue out there. And I work a little bit too hard to have these things, you know, just drop dead of something like that or have it spread through the, the rehab place. Um, so, yeah, I found a really good place for him. I called a favor of a friend. She has um, a farm and it's next to a woods and she loves feeding wild animals. So I knew that Toots was going to have a lot of food. He was, you know, he had shelter, he had food, but he could still be what he was created to be, a wild animal. Yeah, that's great. And you, I mean, is this kind of far away from roads? Because, man, I'll tell you what, out here in Idaho, it is so sad, but skunks are one of the most commonly hit animals. They are. It, it was away from her, thankfully. That was one of my things. I was like, oh, she lives down a lane. Like, I'm going to call her up. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it because they have pretty poor eyesight? They do have poor eyesight, yes. And, and especially during mating season, males roam. So uh, that's... You'll see a lot of uh, dead raccoons uh, on the road in February, and that's when they're, oh. you know, starting and, and, you know, they're roaming and they're not thinking in their right mind. So that's what happens to them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the, and the skunks also just aren't as fast because, I mean, I think if you'd ask anybody, I don't think anybody purposely means to hit a skunk. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 Definitely not on someone's list. <laughs> no, no. That's and you know what's interesting. You mentioned raccoons, and that's interesting. Being hit around February, the males because they're out looking for those females when they breed. I didn't realize this until I was speaking with my friend Mady. How territorial raccoons can be, and they'll tear each other to pieces. They really will, and you'll hear it in the woods too. Because um, I live in a woods, you'll hear them around mating season. You'll hear them fighting. Um, you know, just going at it out there, and it's it is what it is. You know, it's wild animals. Yeah, I would say raccoons can be definitely intimidating. I've worked with them before in rehab, nothing to the extent that you have, but I've had to capture one one time, and it was not a fun experience. I actually have a really entertaining story, and this just happened last week. Um, I got a phone call from a woman. She's like, um, I think it's time for my raccoon to be rehabbed to the wild. And I'm like, she said she had it for two years, and uh, so oh. she banned it. Always named Bandit. It's illegal to encage a wild animal without a permit, by the way. So these people that keep these animals, that's it's illegal to do so. So I was like, well, what happened? It's the middle of December. You've had him for two years. He's a pet. Why now? Did you get caught? What's the problem? She's like, well, actually, um, I was feeding the cat yesterday, and uh, Bandit uh, bit off my finger. <gasps> and I said, come again? And she's like, yeah. Um, and I had to go to the hospital and, you know, have the rest amputated. And so she has like, it's all the way down to this knuckle here. And, um, and so she brought this raccoon and I said, yeah, sure. I'll rehab bandit to the wild. She brought mm -hmm. this raccoon and, um, he was not happy. I mean, he was, he was a wild animal. His instincts are, you know, to not be around people. And, um, I weighed him. He weighed 51 pounds. Oh. I, I don't feed him junk. I feed him granola bars. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, she 
had she had some tattoos on her um on her body and uh, so i said are you gonna get like a tattoo on your stump and uh, she called me a couple days later i'm gonna get b51 tattooed on my stump because of bandit and he weighed 51 pounds i was like yeah perfect this is just my entertainment this is this is great this is perfect so um yeah it's they're not they're not pets they they might start out as as great pets and people have really good intentions but good intentions hurt wild animals and um you know they they're meant to be in the wild it's in the name oh my god i love how you asked if she was gonna name her stump oh my god that is so funny are you gonna name your strong hand oh i'm dying (laughs) well i like i'm very sarcastic with people a lot because i get these phone calls from people and i it, like I said, good intentions, they hurt a lot of the times. I wish people would just call me first. I get calls and they say, well, I saw this mama deer just leave its baby. And uh, I saw it leave. So I picked the baby up and I brought it in the kitchen and I cut up some apples and it wouldn't eat it. So I opened its mouth and I put the apples in. And I, all I'm thinking like, is the Seinfeld episode where Elaine's putting the cookie in his mouth and like making him chew. And I'm just like, what are, what are you doing? And i like... <laughs> And, you know, they, these people, they think that babies should have babysitters if their mom's not around. And how dare they leave their baby right there. And then I'm like, well, you know, the mom leaves for up to 12 hours at a time. And can you please just go put it back? And like, what? Like, well, it's going to rain. I'm like, well, yeah, that, that's okay, too. You know, it's, they're outside animals. They're, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah. And I think I like what you said earlier in this interview that animals, they are resilient. They have wild instincts and they've been around for thousands and thousands of years way before us. And sometimes we have to realize, like, I think we put our human emotion in that situation and we're like, oh, my gosh, it'd be horrible if I was out in the rain right now because I'm cold. But, you know, these are animals. They humanize animals like my favorite is the old ladies that call. Um they if they find a baby raccoon you can almost guarantee that they went and bought a baby bottle and while they're in the baby aisle they bought a baby bib and a baby bag and, <laughs> and, you know like well you know i thought maybe he could use a pacifier and i th- I'm like and they show up with like this baby raccoon in like a car seat with a baby bag and i bought him some toys and some baby wipes and i'm like oh my goodness okay thanks uh... or um or the, you know, the little old ladies, they see a deer, a baby deer. I'm just like, okay, leave it. You know, mom's going to come back for it. Like, I just have to do something. So I always tell them, I'm like, well, you know, you can go to the grocery store and, you know, get some organic food, get organic vegetables and, and cut them up, like, you know, quarter the grapes and just put a little, like a little tray, you know, close to the baby so the mom can eat it when she comes back. And they're off to the grocery store. They make... Uh wonderful like organic huge tray for the mama deer they've never eaten it i'm just hoping by the time they get back from the grocery store the mom has come back and taken her baby and just left but um no they they feel they have to do something and i don't know what it is with people when they see an animal they have to feed it but that's that is what they do either <laughs> of the time they guess wrong yeah, either that or I think this is a huge no-no, and this happens with baby birds. Is they pick they pick them up and then they'll pass them around so their kids can play or not. You know, and I feel like people have good intentions, but it's like it's horrifying. You have to like put your um just your your mind where the animal is. If if it's a prey animal like a little hare or a rabbit, how terrifying! Some of them will die of heart attacks being just passed around. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, you can look at a bunny wrong and it'll die. But the fledgling birds, you know, I get that call every day and they're like, well, it's on the ground. I put it back in the nest. And next thing I knew it was back on the ground. I was like, it's where it's supposed to be. You know, baby bird, like mama, mama birds aren't like mama humans that let their kids live in their basement for 40. They kick them out and, you know, they fledge on the ground. They're still taking care of them. They're still feeding them. They're watching over them. They're learning how to be a bird. And the biggest thing I get is like, well, well, we have fox in the area. And I, I mean, if I could sing, I would just circle blood. <laughs> you know, with all the stray cats and all the foxes in the world, birds still exist. You know, they know what they're doing. Just leave it. <laughs> I can't put the whole wild animal kingdom in a cage to protect it from, you know, each other. That's just not how it happens. Yeah, so that's really good. Okay, so if you find, let's just go down the list, because I feel like I get these calls all the time too, mainly with, and I'm so happy, I actually have my, my number has since been removed off, like online, it's been taking years to do so. Oh, I'm serious, I, I don't, I, oh my god, but people call me a lot about snakes, and stuff like that and when I tell people with snakes I'm just like leave them alone like you are you're you have this natural pest control apparently it's attracted to something around your house probably the rats or some mice like they're not going to bite you but anyway let's go down the list of animals you find a baby bird what do you do leave it leave it or, or, or watch it usually if you have a um a fledgling bird especially you can you know once you get close to it you can actually hear the parents squawking at you to get away from their baby okay. um you know leave it alone if, if anything watch it see how it plays out because if mom and dad are around you're gonna see it sooner or later and um you know if it if it obviously has fallen out of the nest and and it's not ready to be out of the nest and the nest is way up there um, then obviously call me, bring it to me. I'll definitely raise that animal. But I think people get this conception of, you know, I do wildlife rehab. That means I want these animals. I, mean, I don't want any of them. I want them to be in the wild. If they need me, I'll take them. I'll take care of them. I'll, you know, give them medications, whatever I got to do. But, um, yeah, I, I, just because you found it doesn't mean it has to taken away from its family and know you know where it knows where to find food and shelter and come to my house like it's it's frustrating sometimes yeah and by the way and i know not all of our listeners are in dayton ohio so wherever you're listening if you have a you know try to find a local wildlife rehab there's usually one or would you suggest maybe calling animal control and seeing if they could refer you over to a local rehabilitator usually animal control they they won't they have nothing to do with wild wildlife at all. Oh. Um, the, the ones around here have learned to hand out my number um, in reference to wild animals. Um, but yeah, there should be a state site like ours is the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. And on there, there will be a list of rehabilitators per county and uh, what all they can intake, like which animals they can intake. So um, I'm sure every state, if you just you know, Google it, the wildlife rehabilitators in the state of, you know, Idaho or wherever, there's going to be a list. Okay. And if you do find a baby bird and it is, it has fallen out of the nest and it's not ready to fledge, uh, do you, where do you, where, where do you put it? Do you put it in like a box? Do you put it in a bag? What do you do? Well, what I always tell people is I want them um, warm, quiet. And they're like, well, what do I do? I don't have a cat. I was like, well, I get Amazon boxes full of critters all day long. So I <laughs> Please just keep it warm. Please just reduce the stimuli so we're not causing stress to these animals. You know, these animals, they're they are made to flee and flee danger. They see us as predators, so they don't want to be around us. So just 
put them in there, keep them warm. Everyone's like, well, it's hot outside. I'm going to bring them on the inside to the air conditioner. No, they're made to be outside. They're fine. Um, if you want to put like a hot hands in there or microwave a, a sock full of rice to put in there, even a bottle full of warm water, um, do that. Keep it warm, keep it dark, keep it quiet. And I would, I mean, as many phone calls as I get, I would almost rather them call me first and and then I can kind of tell them what to do before they start thinking on their own just freestyling that's when that's when stuff goes horribly wrong stuff goes <laughs> south okay okay what happens if you find a raccoon in your attic attic all right so if it is a we have this law in Ohio and a lot of the other rehabbers like well that's horrible but if it's in your attic, we um, that's, a, that's a pest control situation. That's not a wildlife rehabilitation um, situation. So if it's in your attic, so basically it has a home. And, um, you know, if it's a baby, so it has a mom and it has a home, you just don't want it there, that's not me. It's called pest control. Really? And they... I, I'm actually not allowed to take them if they're a pest. And that is, I mean, just, I and they would euthanize it? I'm assuming that's what they do, right? Yes, by law. Yep. by law oh my god well so I try to tell them because um i try to tell them you know put strobe lights up there play loud music up there try to get them to leave and once they're gone you know make it so they can't get back in um but yeah if it's up there and and you want it removed then yeah pest control they they can't relocate wildlife in the state of Ohio. And that's a reason why we don't have rabies here is because we do have such strict laws. They, um, when I rehabilitate something that is a rabies vector species, it actually has to go back to the same township that it comes in. So okay. people will call me like, well, there's a raccoon. It's injured. It's in my garage. And I was like, I can see through this. You just don't want to pay for pest control. Um, I said, well, you know, once I get it better, I'm going to return it right back to where it was. And they're like, oh, <laughs> never mind. Is, is it hard if someone calls and they're like, I have a raccoon family up in my attic and you just know that you can't do anything about it and they just have to call pest control for you or are you just kind of numb to it? Cause it's just like, it is what it is. At first it was really bothersome. Like I, I would, I don't want to, you know, wish death on any healthy animal. That's, that's not, that's definitely not something that I would want to happen. I mean, the laws are in place for a reason. And, um, especially with the high volume of raccoons that I get that actually do need my help. I can't imagine taking on, you know, a whole, the, all the pests of the world as well. Uh, so it's, it's just kind of one of those things where it's, is what it is. Okay. Erica, where do you draw the line with which animals you rescue? Cause I know a lady who rescues mice and voles and I, I get all of those. <laughs> I definitely, um, I draw the line at rescuing dead things. Like you'd be surprised the number of people that like they run over a bunny's nest and it goes through the lawnmower and they'll bring me like pieces of an animal and, and they just like, well, I can't I have to do something. And I'm like, well, do you want me to feed the head of this animal? I'm not a magician. I can't just, <laughs> like, well, if you have a dead animal, don't bring it to me. They're like, well, what do I do? I was like, well, you know, double bag it and, and put it in the trash or, you know, if trash day soon or bury it. And they're like, well, don't you think it's rude to put it in the trash? I'm like, well, but you're wanting to bring it to my house. Like, <laughs> 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 <I>, oh. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and then 
it's really it's really difficult for me. Um, I I am a certified euthanasia tech, and I did oh. that for because I do have to euthanize a lot of animals. And um, you know, they the healthy ones don't come to me. If they come to me, they are injured or sick or orphaned. So I do. There's a high mortality rate, and people just have a problem ending suffering. And I will I will try as hard as I can as long as there's no suffering. But just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do something. And um, me working in the ICU as a nurse, you know, we'd see these, we'd see these people and, um, and uh, actually my sister also said that, you know, suffering is worse than dying. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just better for that animal to be humanely euthanized than to have to go through undue suffering. So I get, I get a lot of um, suffering animals that people can't end suffering so they bring them to me to end suffering and that's just part of it that's tricky and i've i do a lot of you know rescue nothing nothing i want to say compared to what you do but every you know every spring i'll rescue some odd animal and i've rescued um, we used to live out on the snake river here in idaho and we every year i feel like i would rescue a beaver and beavers are so cool i do too i just they're so cool, but I every time when I see one out and they're just out in, in our lawn, I know something's wrong. Beavers are not just, <laughs> they don't just want to hang out in the open and not, um, you know, wander back to their safety, which is water. And every time I've rescued them, it's usually around April, they are badly wounded by other, by other beavers. They're very territorial. And I have, I mean, I remember, and I just, and this is when I learned, I probably shouldn't post all this on social media, but this was like several years ago. And I posted like, oh, I'm going to rescue Mr. Beaver. And I like got him a pool and put him in my shed. And I did this and that. And I just took him to the vet and they just, they looked at the wounds. His wounds were full of maggots. It was more severe than I had imagined. I got Mr. Beaver, uh, Mr. Beaver to eat, but the vet looked at me and was like, listen, this is going to take, I don't even know if he's going to survive. Um, I mean, you could put all you want into this. It could be another year. I mean, beavers are pretty difficult to rehab with the, with their water changes and how they have to, I think they have to eat, don't they have to eat their poop in the water or something? It's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, 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 it's not easy. And he just, he said euthanasia was the best option. But I just was thinking like, oh my God, I just had all these hopes of like saving Mr. Beaver. And in the end, it doesn't always work out like that. It doesn't. And I, I do love beavers. I, that was one of my very favorite animals last year was my beaver. Um, but yeah, people, they have kind of a, again, they're thinking so compassionately. I get it. And, um, but they'll bring me like a fawn with two broken legs and, and I'm like, this, this just doesn't work. This does not work. You can't put casts on legs and then, you know, six weeks later tell oh take it easy you know take it that you can't do that there's no physical therapy for these animals they it, you just can't do that and they're like well you know my dog smuckers has a wheelchair and i'm like well okay good for this is a deer we can't you know have you seen any deer in the woods with wheelchairs it just doesn't happen like sorry yeah yeah it's difficult i mean i'm not gonna put any also i'm just not gonna put an animal out in the wild that can't make it like when i put an animal out in the wild i have a, a pretty solid idea that it's going to thrive if i'm just not going to put something out there that's going to suffer to death that's that's cruel that's worse 
Yeah, I think so. And I think it's, you know, I one other story. This happened years ago when we moved out to the river. Of course, we have people out here who hunt and you'll get birds that are wounded. And I remember I found a little American coot and I was I called the bird rehabilitator and was like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, you could use it as an education bird. And I remember her telling me, but Corbin, is that the best option for this bird that was wild? Is that the best option to just to put this bird in, in, in like a cage and then like, it, what, you know, and I, and I re always remembered that I'm like, God, you're right. Like, that's probably not the best option for this American coot. All the time people are like, well, just, just keep it. I'm like, well, that animal doesn't want to be kept. So, you know, it's, it's a wild animal for a reason. And yeah, I like, just like toots and my, my beaver, that was named Muff. And, um, he actually left on his own. He lived in my pond. He <laughs> beautiful, um lodge it was a great addition to my landscaping um underneath my deck and he would dam up my outflow culverts in my pond like three times a day so i had a rake there so i could just you know scoop all the debris out and um eventually he took my rake and he put it in his lodge and of course <laughs> the handle was made of wood so he ate it and then i, I metal rake and i staked it in the he tried to take that he couldn't but then he ended up chewing my fountain wires and everything and um it, it became like a, well, what's going to happen to Muff? Like if he lives here, you know, we swim in this pond, beavers can be territorial. Um, but he actually, and they often do just leave. He just left. He just went downstream to, you know, start a new life, look for other beavers. And so that was a, a sad, happy moment. Cause I was like, call her right. And, you know, cause I had him for a year and, um, now he just, that's as good. It's good. He left, he's going to make it. But, um, you know, it's, that's what it should be. I, I don't want to keep him here ever. Yeah. And I, beavers are one of my favorites. I used to, when we lived on the river, I would love seeing our little family of beavers and they were just, and they would even like almost porpoise out of the water, not like completely porpoise, but, but you know what I mean? Like you just, you know, swimming along and oh, I just thought it was so cool. I love them. They're fascinating animals. They're an entire ecosystem just themselves. Like they are fascinating. Yeah. But I, I agree. That's so awesome. So you deal with, okay, so if you deal with a skunk, which let's talk about the skunk. Because I remember one time, I I think what happened, I, I came across a skunk and my landlords, this was back in college, had put out a trap. It, it wasn't like an inhumane trap. It was just like a trap, like a, I don't even know, like one of those cage traps. And I remember I was going to relocate it because they wanted to, they wanted to kill it. And I was like, no, let me relocate it. And I remember my friends were like, from the wildlife rehab, they were like, oh, it's okay. Just go up quietly and put a blanket over the, over the cage. And I promise you won't get sprayed. Well, that was a load of crap. And I remember it like lifted up its tail and we're like, no, 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 I'm good. How do you deal with the skunk? So, I mean, usually I just deal with the, the little ones. The little ones, they don't have a full spray. They kind of just, they kind of just fart, you know, they just have like little poop. So they, that washes off. It's not a, a full on adult spray. Um, very few people actually will bring me adult skunks for that reason. They, they, I say, well, you can bring it to me. They're like, and how would I do that? I was like, good luck. You should video it though. Video it. Well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't a whole bunch of adults. Okay. It just how it is. Have you ever been sprayed by a skunk? Just the little toots, just the, the little baby skunk toots, but, um, not, not anything like a full on spray. Not a full on. 
Do you deal with badgers? We, I'm not even 100% sure if we have badgers in this quadrant of Ohio. Wow. So I have one. Um, I know we are, like, bobcats are starting to come into the area now. Um, and I've had mink. That's the one that I, that I was kind of surprised that came in. Um, yeah, there's a couple things that people are like, does that even exist in Ohio? And sure enough, it does. But uh, badgers, no, they aren't here. Okay, yeah, I wonder if they're, I, I'm assuming they're more of a desert type animal, because we have them out here in Idaho. I know my friend does a lot of badger rehabilitation, and she actually said badgers are sweethearts, and a lot of it's just bluff, and you can pick them up by the scruff of the neck, and I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the, I don't even know what we have that would be close to a badger. I get groundhogs, they, I mean, from far away, they kind of look similar, but they're not, they're very not um, similar in nature. But, um, yeah, I get a lot of, of different things around here. Yeah, I was going to say, what is the most exotic animal you've ever rescued? Um, the mink was a one, that was a, I've only gotten one mink. Um, I've only gotten two beavers. There's just not a lot. Beavers are good parents, so they, they uh, tend to not, you know, abandon their babies. And how I got my beaver was there was a big flash storm, and it washed down the river, and some kayakers picked it up. And I tried to work with the game warden to relocate its den and um, contacted some, I guess, the beaver expert. And she said, if you pick the wrong den, they're going to kill them. It's just better off to rehab them. So, oh. okay, here we go. But, um I, I definitely like fawns. Uh, there's not very many people in Ohio that can intake fawns. Um, I'm one of them. So, and, and the laws of fawns in Ohio is super strict on how many days we can have them and what we can and can't do. Um, so there's, there's a lot that has to deal with them. Uh, they're pretty, they're pretty um, closely monitored in Ohio. Um, I get, raptors and stuff usually all the raptors i have sent to the raptor center because that's all they do and you know that that's what they want to do then that's where they're gonna go um and then some just cool cool little birds um i can't even think of any right off the top of my head that are just super rare but um like purple martins and nighthawks are always fun to come that come in mm-hmm mm-hmm what is the most difficult animal to rehab? The most time-consuming would definitely be the baby beaver because it's not like a raccoon that you can just, you know, just put in a cage and um, not nurture it. Uh, baby beavers have to be nurtured, so you actually have to groom them every day. Um, they, they need a companion. Um, they have to be with you all the time. Uh, they're they're very very uh, sociable, and they will fail to thrive if they aren't properly. So um, that would be the most time consuming. Um, one that's just completely messy and destructive, and you have to keep them for a long time and expensive is raccoons. And really? there's so many of them. so many of them. Yes, uh, just because you have to keep them. Um, if I get them in March. I probably won't release them. They won't be ready until almost August. So, um, and I vaccinate them, like I said, and um, they're just very expensive as far as how much food they eat, and they're just very messy. So that's 
they're very time consuming. Uh, how, I mean, are, are a bunch of the raccoons hands off? You had 119. I'm assuming a lot of them were like pretty aggressive, right? You want that. I mean, you want them to be have a fear of humans. So what I do, my process is when I get baby raccoons in, I bottle feed them, um, start switching them over to food. Once they can, once they're vaccinated and they um, they can eat solid foods and they're ready to to be the next step. The next step is I have big outdoor enclosures in my woods. Um, so once they go out there. Uh, that's when I start teaching them how to scavenge for food. Like I'll put a baby pool full of minnows in there so they can learn to fish and they start learning life skills. There's hollowed out logs out there for them. Um, so they can, you know, the wild animals that are actually in the woods can come up to them. They're in the forest. So at that point in time, it's just, you know, food and water twice a day. Um, and kind of just, you know, don't touch them. Don't talk to them. They're not, they're not puppies. And so they can wild up. And I think that's that's the best thing for them. That gives them the best chance. And then how do you how do you get them from their outdoor pen to the wild? Do you just set up like a like a trap, or <laughs> you're shaking your head? <laughs> so so you go in this enclosure that has all these raccoons in them that are wild, and they are scared of you, and you can't just go up to them because I mean they, they can be aggressive at this point, and that's what you want. You want them to have a fear of human be- human beings. Um, so, yeah, we basically have to trap them. We have different nets and, and pole catches and stuff like that and then put them into carriers. And then um, in the state of Ohio, they either have to go back to the same township from which they came or if you can get written permission from a land o- landowner on their property, then I can release there. Yeah, raccoons are scary. We had one, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this publicly, but did you know, Erica, that raccoons can open doors? Oh, yes. Yes, my very first raccoon, um, this was before I became a rehabilitator, uh, he was our pet. He was our pet. And, um, yeah, he would shimmy up the door jam and, and hang on the doorknob, and I would find him inside the house just, like, eating all the food in the pantry. I'm like, what in the world's going on? They're very, very um, smart, very smart. Yes, and they have these dex- dexterous hands. Like, literally, we had one open the door and it was, anyway, we had one open the door and we had to go catch, we had two of them and one of them opened the door and they both got loose outside. It was pitch black and we had to go and capture these raccoons because they weren't ready for release. And I'll tell you what, the, the one of the rehabbers was like, just grab it by the neck. And I'm like, okay, grabbed it by the neck. It turned around and bit me. I dropped the raccoon. I mean, it's just my response. I know it sounds horrible. It wasn't like a far drop, but I was like, I'm good. Like, and they're, they're terrifying. It took us an hour. We finally got them, but... It was not like an easy, like, oh, grab them. They'll be fine. I'm glad you still have all your fingers. I, <laughs> yes. They were terrible. Yeah. And it was funny because the gal, not my friend, Mady, it was someone else. And she was like, oh, she was, I think she was newer to rescue. I don't know. She was like, just grab them by the neck. They'll be fine. And I'm, I'm like, okay. And I grabbed it. And it turned around with that loose skin and just bit me. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm, oh, what? Oh. And, it, and, you know, and they, they kind of scream and it's just like, oh, it's pretty startling. Oh, it is. Absolutely. And, you know, being around them all the time, I probably have less of a fear about them than what normal people do. Like, I'll I'll be willing to just go up and grab anything. It's fine. Like, just pick possums up by the tail and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's raccoons. They're they're serious. They they are serious. (laughs) Yes. And, Erica, you mentioned they're the most expensive to care for and for food. How are you funding all of this with rescuing nearly 2,000 animals? Yeah, so think of a raccoon as having like a puppy for five months. So, um, you know, when you're back 
it beat it. It runs about three hundred dollars a raccoon. So um, I am not paid for this. I'm completely self-funded with the addition of donations. And uh, some people like they'll bring a raccoon to me or six, and um, <laughs> you know, some of them will donate, and that goes directly to the care. Um, like I have a, a humane society that. Let's say your dog switched food or passed away or whatever, and you had a half a bag, and so you donate to the humane society open. They can't feed an open bag of food to the pound puppies. That's not good enough, apparently. So uh, they asked me if I want it, and I'm like, yes, the raccoons do not care if um, if the bag was open. So I go through a lot of uh, pet food that, wa- that way, and um, I have uh, an orchard that lets me pick up the apples on the ground that have already fallen. That helps me out greatly. Um but yeah, when I have all these animals, like I was going at one point in the summer, I was going through like 200 eggs a day uh, for the raccoons and possums mm. and skunks and whatnot, and um, just ungodly the amounts of produce and um, like people find ways. They'll be like, "Well, I have this; it's almost expired. Do you want it?" Like, "Yes, yes, I do. I do want that." And um, one of the game wardens recently called me. He said, "Well, we're going through the evidence freezer, and it's basically, you know, a deer that were poached." And uh, they can't do anything with it. They're like, do you want it? I'm like, yes, I, I want that because I can feed that to the animals. So I try to cut costs that way, but um, it's still very, very expensive uh, on my part um, to, to deal with all these animals. But I feel like when people call, I very rarely say no or I'm full. I usually find a way because if I don't take that animal and I always hear this, well, everyone else is full, no one's answering the phone, yada, yada. If I don't take that animal, then, okay, we're left with, and yeah, the circle of life, that's fine. If that happens, that's fine. But we're either left with people trying to do it themselves, and they're going to do it wrong and end up hurting themselves or hurting the animal. Or we end up with a, um, a sick animal in the environment, and that's really not good for our ecosystem. So I feel like it's better off with me. Um, so I just, I just make room. I make room. Okay, how do you, and this might be a personal question, but how do you afford to live? And people ask me this all the time, so I don't know, maybe I'm just so numb to it, but like, how do you afford to live, to buy your groceries, to do the things that you want to do? Well, my husband does have a good job, so um, he's the reason why I got into this whole thing. Um, It started out as, uh, like, I I was a nurse forever and ever. He got diagnosed with stage four orphaneal cancer cancer of the base of the the tongue and throat and um the same that that's a bad cancer and the same week he was diagnosed we found a little orphaned raccoon in our woods and um so he got into a test trial at ohio state he'd go there every day get radiated come home and sleep with a little baby raccoon and my kids were really small and that was a really tough time for them so to have that little raccoon and you no know, what one's good 119 is not but you know one raccoon especially not a rehabilitator and you're doing it all wrong and treating them like a pet. Um, they're fun. You know, we'd spray cool with his face. He'd swim with us in the pond, the whole nine yards. So, um, this was kind of my pain at bat or pain it forward. Just, you know, that thing got us through a really hard time. So pay it forward and, um, got my license and that that's kind of how this whole thing started. But, uh, yeah. So as far as how do I afford to live and stuff? I, I yeah, we make it work. Um, I just feel like this is a, a noble cause, so I just continue to do this. Yeah, we need more people like you. I just, I, I'm serious. People who are just doing this for the passion, and there are not enough people like you. And it's just, 
I mean, I take my hat off to you because you guys are the true heroes. You really, really are. I mean, that's yeah. just, I, I mean, oh my goodness, I'm, you know, nervous here with the Animals in Distress Association. You know, my friend Mady, she's in her, I think she's in her late 70s. And she'll tell you, like, I mean, what's going to happen when there's, when she's gone, you know? It's just, it, it's scary. We need more people like you. And I guess that's a good segue. If anyone's wa or watching, if anyone's listening to this and they want to get into rehab, do you have any tips? Because we need more of you out there. <laughs> so, so at least in this state, how it happens is um, there's a couple ways you, you can get into rehabilitation without actually having your own license. You can be what's called a sub permit holder underneath a permit holder. So um, if you wanted to, let's say, take animals on um, as a sub permit holder, um, you basically are put on their license so the state knows like I would write like if you wanted to be on my permit and you lived in the state of Ohio I would write the state of Ohio and add this person to my permit and um, you know go over the minimum uh, standard of care for wildlife as as uh, stated by the Ohio Department of Natural Resources and um, I would come out I would look at your caging because there's a lot of just laws of this is okay this isn't okay and um, then I would allow you to take orphans home to bottle feed. So that's one way. Um, if you want to get your license, you go through some classes. Again, going through the minimum standard of care, the uh, wildlife officer would come to your house, um, basically look at your facilities and make sure you know all the boxes are checked. And then you would then go on that state list as a rehabilitator and your number's on, on the internet. <laughs> and you start getting called. <laughs> and... Um, then that's a category one and then it takes three years um, as a sub permit under a category two to get your category two and you can just go up from there yeah awesome awesome well erica thank you so much where can my listeners find you um i am on facebook erica miller wildlife rehab um, my website is ericamiller.org and um yeah absolutely look me up i'm on instagram as well that's just kind of my uh, personal instagram but um so it's not always all about animals, but it is entertaining, entertaining nonetheless. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Check me out. <laughs> yeah, I will do that. And listeners, I will put a link in the show notes to all of your social channels and a link to donate if you want to support Erica and her amazing causes. But Erica, will you join me for the after show? Absolutely. Let's do it. And listeners, if you want to listen to the full interview, head on over to the after show. All you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max. And I will include a link in the show notes. Um, in the after show, I'm going to ask Erica her thoughts about hunting. I'll also ask her when her last day off was. This should be interesting. So join us there. But let's head on over. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.